Would you pray with me? God, it is so good that you see us in our darkness, in our sin, in our brokenness, and you still call us friend. You redeem our lives from the pit and crown us with love and compassion because you are good. And so, God, I pray that you would make us vessels of that goodness. That as we experience it, we would pour it out. And we pray this day for areas of the world and our neighborhoods and even people in our lives for whom darkness and death feel like all they can see. God, have mercy. Would you show us how to be tangible light in the darkness? Would you show us how to be agents of your mercy and compassion? And God, we ask even now that you would continue to work in us, Holy Spirit, as we gather together to hear your word proclaimed fresh and anew as we prepare our hearts to be reminded of your death and resurrection. God, make us soft. Give us ears to hear. And God, if I may pray so boldly, would you convict us again today? Make us hungry and thirsty for you and your righteousness. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. My name is Suzanne Vogel. I'm the lead pastor here at The Bridge. We are so glad to have you with us in the room and with us online. Um, And I have to tell you, I had a great week this week uh, for a lot of reasons, but one of the primary ones is that baby chickens came to the church this week. Yeah, yep, you are 100% correct. Um, We had some baby chickens come visit, and we learned so many cool things. Like, for example, did you know that you can tell the color of the egg of egg that a hen is going to lay by the color of their earlobes? For real. Some of you are processing the fact that actually chickens have earlobes right now. You're not wrong. Like, yeah, isn't that cool? By the way, there is no theological important thing about that. I just thought it was awesome. So, okay. Um, Another thing that's true, I love Pastor Beth. She screamed when she saw the chicks. I'm telling you. She was like, yes! Um, A second thing that's true, I learned, is that baby chicks do something called imprinting. Okay? Some of you are like, yes. That means that when... When baby chickens are born, they establish a bond of trust pretty much with the largest thing around them. Now, what I read online, and my, my chicken people will have to like correct me if I'm wrong about this, is that usually that's the mother, but the trouble is, if it's not the mom, it could be anything that's around. So that's what I'm told, but that, because chickens have this innate need to model and follow someone, which I think, you know, seems a little bit human. Uh, The other thing we learned, by the way, is that if a baby chick feels uncertain or lost, they instinctively cheep in distress, right? They, They chirp in distress. And the longer they're alone, the louder that cheep becomes. And, uh, 
when they do that, all of the chicks and the hens in the vicinity gather around them. And it's really beautiful. Uh, now, I will say that uh, the other thing I learned is that Pastor Sarah is the chick whisperer because that chicken I was holding was cheeping his head off. And as soon as, 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 soon as Sarah took it, calmed right down. So clearly I was not lowering the anxiety of the chicken, but Pastor Sarah was fantastic in that. Now, why do I talk about chickens this morning? Besides, you all went, ah. Because I think we're a lot like those chicks. I think we were created to be bright, prone to anxiety, and created to need others. I think we need people who we can trust and learn from. I think that when we need help, when we feel uncertain or lost, it's important that we be able to sort of be surrounded. Or as the writer of Ecclesiastes says, two are better than one. And especially when we don't know where to go. Now, we've talked, uh, we're in the middle of, we're actually on the tail end of a series about how do you know where to go? How do you know where God is leading? And we've talked uh, about the importance of knowing what God is saying through the Bible and through uh, learning and discipleship. We've talked about the importance of knowing what your own life is saying, your strengths and your weaknesses. Well, this morning, we're going to talk about making sure we listen to other people's voices when we're in that process of discernment. Because figuring out, well, where to go can be complex and confusing at times. So at this point, I want to invite Lee Tao to come up. As I told him, he has, there's no correlation between him and the chickens. So read away. <laughs> The book of Proverbs starts out this way. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young, let the wise listen and add their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Thanks be to God. So, I want to start by making the case for why it's important to listen to multiple voices when you are unsure of where to go. Now, I think there's a couple reasons for this. The first one we've touched on a couple of times, but I think it's worth reiterating. We are human and we don't see things clearly. We just don't. And we've covered this ground, but I think it's important to remember we all have blind spots. We all have ways that we're tempted to distort what we want to see. It's called being human. It's called, as the Apostle Paul described it, seeing through a glass dimly, all right? And so the, the reality is we will never see the world clearly all on our own. But I think there's 
the second thing I want to point out this morning. We saw it a little bit in that first proverb, but I think uh, it, says, it says it more clearly in a couple of other places. I think it's just smart to get counsel, particularly at critical moments. I love this proverb from chapter 15, 22. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Now, I love and hate this because I think the truth is the matter is that getting wise counsel from multiple directions means that I have to readjust. I have to be open that I could be wrong, that I could be seeing things incorrectly, that somebody else might see something important that I'm going to miss. And that slows me down. And yet, as the uh, same proverb, uh, as the same writer of the Proverbs said, I love how plainly this is said. Um, <laughs> it says, plans fail for lack of counsel. Oh, nope, that's the wrong one. Oh, what's the next one? Oh, nope, okay, it's coming, sorry. That's, <laughs> I thought I had one more verse there. So anyway, you get it. It's important to listen to multiple voices. Now, I think in this reality, we have two ditches, depending on your personality, okay? Some of us are prone to not listen to any voices. We want to move fast. We think we know what we're doing. And we like going it alone, all right? Some of you fall in that ditch. You're going to need to hear more voices. Some of you fall in the other ditch, which is you want to listen to all the voices, right? You want to make sure that everybody agrees with you before you proceed. You want to make sure that nobody disagrees. And you're going to listen to all the voices, including every social media influencer, every neighbor down the street, right? You want everybody to be in consensus before you move forward, right? Now, can you, can you identify which ditch you might fall into? Some of you? Okay. Let me see nods, yeah. I see some of you neighboring and elbowing your partner. No, that's not fair, okay? But you get that point, right? One of the things I'm gonna be really clear is you, you need to listen to some voices, but not all the voices. And there's a difference between listening to every voice and listening to some important select voices. Make sense? So let's talk about which voices you should listen to. The first, is people who have wisdom and experience. See, people who are further along in the spiritual journey and life journey are really critical to listen to in this place. Now, I look for three characteristics. People who know God, who know their Bible, and who know suffering. Because I want, if I'm going to get advice, to hear from people who've been through some things. I want to hear from people who have not just theoretically understood life, but who have actually suffered and experienced some resilience and some truth. Those are the people who are gold, people who can walk with humility and character, who are worth imprinting your life around to go back to our chickens, right? Now, the scripture is full of all kinds of examples, like from this, J Moses and Jethro right? Samuel and Eli, Esther and Mordecai, Paul and Timothy. Now, I think it's just really important that when you start thinking about getting input, think carefully. Look around. 
ask, who's somebody who's gone ahead of me in this that I can really listen to? All right, so that's our first group of people, people who have wisdom and who've gone further down the road than you have. The second group of people are people who love you and who will tell you the truth. By the way, did you catch the and there? I think oftentimes when we're in a, some uncertainty, we want people who will tell us we're right. We want people who will affirm us and say, oh, you are brilliant, yes. But what we really need is people who will love us enough to tell us when we're off, who will see our blind spots and gently and graciously say to us, I'm not sure you're seeing clearly. I wonder if your motives are not what you think they are here. Again, we're going to go back to the Proverbs. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. In other words, we need people who will love us enough to make us hurt a little bit sometimes. Um, this is where the other verse is that I was trying to remember. It's uh, a little more plain-spoken way to say it. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. <laughs> I promise you that is in the NIV. You can look it up. All right? Here's the thing. We need correction. We need voices. I remember one of the... <laughs> Wow, I'm going to expose one of my blind spots right here, right now. Um, I have really learned the value of people who will speak truth um, to me. I remember early in my pastoral ministry, I was deeply frustrated by a woman in our church who I felt like was pursuing all kinds of destructive and sinful patterns in her life. And so I met with a wise older elder for breakfast. And I was ranting about this woman. I mean, actually, no, I was just sharing my spiritual concerns. Yeah, that's how I viewed it at the time, right? And I, I, I just went on and on about all these things that I was seeing. And then I kind of concluded with this, and clearly God has anointed me to speak some truth to her. And bless that older elder. Uh, his name is Paul. He sat back a little bit. He sipped a cup of coffee, which I think is wise. He was probably gathering his thoughts. And then he said to me, I'll never forget it, Suzanne, you don't have her trust and you don't have her best interests at heart. And I simultaneously wanted to punch him and repent, <laughs> which is how usually I can tell when somebody has spoken truth to me because I have an instinctive, defensive, like, ah, ah, eat, oh, oh, that's right, yep, yep. We need people who will look at us and love us. And you know what the best thing about Paul was? Paul smiled and his eyes twinkled at me when he said it. There was no shame attached to it. I knew to the bottom of my toes that he was saying it because he loved me. And he loved the other woman that I was about to, like, destroy if I'd been left to my own devices, right? And so those are the kinds of people we need. Now, to be really honest, that has to be cultivated. You have to be willing to stand still, to ask for truth, and to be ready to receive truth. And I tell people, um, I try to say to people, please be honest with me, and then be patient if I get defensive, right? So that 
I acknowledge up front, I may not want to hear this, but I need to hear this. Now, again, this is not something you do with everybody, right? Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Friend. So these are people who love you and are willing to speak truth to you. And those are people worth cultivating in your life. If you find those kinds of friends, hold on to them. All right, third group of people we should be listening to are people who are impacted by your decisions. Now, I have to say, I think this is one of those places where we have, again, a tendency to not want to listen. But I love how Philippians 2 says this. In humility, value others above yourselves, not looking only to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So in other words, stop making decisions for people and make decisions with people. But it's so much easier, isn't it? Particularly when we want to go fast because we don't want to face the possible ramifications. We don't any, want anybody slowing us down. And so we just tend to make decisions and go. And I get that occasionally there are times when you got to do that. But friends, I don't think it's as often as we think it is. I think we just like being able to run. Now, let me give you an example of how this could work. Um, when I was feeling drawn to seminary, our kids were 10 and 12. And so Dennis and I were starting to sort of think through possibilities of what seminary could look like. And that was complicated because we lived in Pella. But um, we decided on Dubuque Seminary. And there were two options. I could go to seminary for two years. I could leave the house Mondays about one in the afternoon and then drive back Thursday nights every week. And I could be done in two years. But that would mean I was going to miss, right, Monday through Thursday night. The other option was to do their new distance program. It was going to take me four years. I'd have to go twice a year for two weeks at a time. And it was going to cost more money. And it was going to have more impact kind of financially on our family. And so Dennis and I wrestled with it. And then my husband actually said, I think we need to ask the kids. And uh, so we had a family meeting, and we laid out, here's the two choices. Now, they were 10 and 12, right? And did they get to make the decision? No. But did they get to speak into it? Yes. We said, here's the choices. We feel like mom's being invited into this. This is the ramifications. And do you know what? They had great input. And I was leaning towards the two-year program. Shock anybody? No because I want to go fast and get it done. And my kids were like, no, we want you at concerts. And if that means that a couple times a year we don't get to see you for two weeks, okay, we'll live with that. And if it means we don't have the best shoes and the coolest things, okay. And do you know what? Those kids didn't once complain during those four years because they've got to be part of the conversation, right? And so I think that's just an important thing. I get that it's easier to just make the decisions. But if we really want to honor who we are together, then we need to listen to all the voices in the room, which is part of what we're trying to do right now corporately with our vision circles. All right, the last thing is, and I'm going to go through this one last one quickly, is that we need to be listening to people who are not impacted by our decisions. 
So if we also, if we need to hear the people who are impacted, we also need a few people who are outside the whole thing, right? Who don't have a dog in the fight, who don't have an invested impact in the results and who can look at it perhaps a little more objectively. And I think these are people who really are able to see things perhaps that we can't see because they are outside and don't get touched by the ramifications of the decision. So to, to sum this all up, from the first chapter of Proverbs, I want to remind you of what Lee read again. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. Now, I'm sure if I'm sitting in your seat, you're saying, but Suzanne, that takes time. Yes. Yes, it does. And in a culture that pushes us to try and move fast and make quick decisions, that's really counter-cultural. But I think if we look at the breadth of Scripture, we see the wisdom. And if we look at our tradition, actually, we see the wisdom that better together is better. In fact, that's why, again, we've adopted this principle, not just individually, but corporately. Now, I get that there are a lot of businesses, and even in the past, some churches who have said, you know what, big strategic vision decisions, those should happen by one person who goes up on a mountain, prays, and then comes down and announces, here's where we're going. Or maybe a small group of people does that, and then they come out and they tell everybody, we've made this decision for you. But I really believe who we are called to be is to be a people who listen together, who we all participate, who we all talk about what we're seeing and what we're dreaming about. Now, I get that model of coming down. It's, it's efficient, and sometimes it works. But sometimes I think it creates blind spots, and we miss the voices on the margins, and we miss input from places where we really need to hear. And so that's why I could, would continue to ask you, if you have not yet signed up for one of the vision circles, please do. It's two hours. We'll send you questions ahead of time. But we really want to hear from you what you think God is laying on your heart, not just what I think God is laying on my heart. Does that make sense? Now, on an individual level, seeking wisdom can be as simple as intentional conversations over coffee or inviting people input from people you trust. But that can be vulnerable and difficult, particularly when you start hearing things that are hard to hear. You're probably going to get defensive. But I want to encourage you, fight through that defensiveness. Stay open. Have a posture that prays, Holy Spirit, show me what you need me to hear. Remember that takes us all the way back to the beginning. God, your will, nothing more nothing less, nothing else. See, in the practice of following Jesus was never meant to be done in isolation or alone. I'm struck that when Jesus looked at his disciples trying to prepare them for this place where they would feel the most lost and the most confused that they probably had ever felt, when they watched him die on a cross, he didn't take them out to coffee individually. He gathered them in a room together. And then as they celebrated, 
Passover, I want you to hear again how communal these words are. And while they were eating, Jesus took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body broken for you. And then he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he said to them, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Friends, at this time, I'm going to invite our elders to come forward because we want to invite you to come together, not one of you or a couple of you, but all of us. We want to invite you to come and receive the bread and the juice, and as you do, be reminded of God's mercy and grace. Um, there we go. We're good. All right, what we're going to, again, I will remind you, move to the center of the section where you're at and come forward and then return around the back. Let me pray for us before I invite you up. And so, God, would you take this grain that has been gathered from many places, these grapes that have been harvested from many fields, and would you make into them a reminder of who you are? And may we encounter your presence tangibly as we taste that bread and as we drink the juice. Come, for all is ready. You invite us.